I'm Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. He's Charlie Wilmoth. I'm David Todd. It's September 6th. Charlie, the Pirates have 26 games left in the season. They're 72 and 64, eight games over 500. They're also eight games over 500 against the Houston Astros at 11 and three. <laughs> the Astros just left town. The Pirates have the Cubs coming into town starting tomorrow, tomorrow Friday for a three-game set. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I'm really going to miss the Astros next year. <laughs> uh, we'd like to say thank you, Astros, and uh, we'll talk more about the Cubs here in a second. That could be an interesting series for the Pirates. I'm thinking that. You know, you and I have been pretty consistent throughout the year. Once it became clear that there was a story to be had in the fact that the Pirates have were contenders, that the Pirates have basically been in contention the whole year, we've, we've been consistent in saying we don't really think that the Pirates are a playoff team. We don't think that they're going to go to the playoffs. And there's little reason for us to change our minds now. It's, it's pretty clear that uh, the Reds, obviously, and also the Cardinals are better teams than the Pirates. But I'm thinking of this um, uh, this um, story that I, I seem to remember from from reading a lot about basketball when I was a kid about uh, some guy, some poor you know journeyman player having to guard Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and some journalist asked him what his plan for guarding Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, and he said, "I'm going to get right up in his face and I'm going to breathe into his goggles." Um, and you just think, you know, this is not, it, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it's, it's not a sustainable strategy for success, obviously, but we're reaching the point in the season where sustainable strategies for success don't matter. And that's really important because, you know, we talk all year long about small sample size. Well, now we're into small sample size from this point going forward. If we're just going to look at bits of the season, 26 games, uh, you know, figure out what the percentage is, but it, you know, we're under a quarter of the season left. And you're exactly right. At this point, <laughs> crazy things can happen, right? Right. And uh, Grant, Grant Brisby at, at uh, Baseball Nation, MLB.SBNation.com, had a really good article about this today in which he writes about the 1997 Giants and how the 1997 Giants had a run differential. They, they scored 784 runs. They allowed 793 runs. And they made the playoffs, uh, Brisby says, basically because of this catcher named Brian Johnson who nobody's ever heard of, who had a couple hundred at-bats for them and hit really well. So, you know, because we're in this small sample size territory, um, you know, crazy things can happen in small sample sizes. And the Pirates, you know, any member of the Pirates at this point may have an opportunity to be a very unlikely hero if the, if the Pirates can just pull off a couple more wins than the Cardinals and Dodgers get against what is a very weak schedule down the stretch. And I'm, I, you know, you think of, of Brock Holt, and we should talk about Brock Holt a little bit. He's been an interesting story this week. But if, if Brock Holt, who I don't think either of us think is that great of a player, if, if he can continue doing anything like what he's done so far and, and what he was able to do in this, in this four-hit game, then you know he has a he you know for example has a chance of being a very unlikely hero simply because there are only you know 20 some games left absolutely and you know look the guy just hit 450 or whatever he hit in 40 games in triple a he comes up he's hitting 
400 or, or you know whatever the exact number is in uh, the number of at bats he's had here uh, so far. He's hit let's see he's hitting 438. So basically the same in his 19 plate appearances, 16 at bats. He's been a spark plug at the top of the lineup, no doubt. And you just wonder, you know, if he can do that for 30 games, that can be a difference maker. And God knows uh, the Pirates have not had a lot of production from the top of the order. I think Alex Presley, you know, he's been up and down. I think he might be have been a little bit better than people perceive of late. Uh, but certainly Tabata hasn't done much. Uh, you know, Travis Snyder can't seem to stay in the lineup. These hamstring injuries are a continued issue. And Starling Marte is exactly what, what we thought he'd be. I mean, almost to the to a T. Mm-hmm. He's playing great defense. His OBP is 287. We thought, you know, it might be less than 300. He's shown a little bit of power. He's got a 708 OPS. Uh, you know, and he runs the bases really well. He's exactly the guy we thought he'd be, but I'm not sure that's been much of a difference maker one way or the other. Well, especially right now when he's not not even in the lineup right now, sure. and um, you know this, you know the the, the, fi- the final game of their series against the Astros, uh, which took place yesterday, the Pirates ran out a lineup of Brock Holt at the top, Clint Barmas batting second, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Garrett Jones, Gabby Sanchez, Pedro Alvarez, Rod Barajas, Alex Presley, and then the pitcher Kevin Correa. And, Thank God they're playing the Astros. Well, well, that's that's absolutely true. Thank you, Astros. But also, you know, it's it's just a crazy situation. I mean, my my, my initial impulse and the initial impulse of a lot of Bucks dugout readers, I think, was to take a look at that lineup and just say, you know, puke. This is this is terrible. But then, you know, somebody posted in the comment thread yesterday that. You know, if you look at who's available based on Starling Marte not being around, based on Neil Walker being gone, and, and even Jose Tabata being out, you know, what have they got? And it's against a lefty. I mean, Clint Barmas hits lefties pretty well. Gabby Sanchez should be able to hit lefties pretty well. And, you know, you 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 look at that lineup and you think, you know, how much better could they have done? It's, a, it's just a funny point in the season for them. It is a funny point in the season. A lot of injuries. I had a chance to talk to Neil Huntington today, and I linked to that uh, podcast on the on the Bucks Dugout site. And you know, we talked about uh, playing time and how you allocate it and how much of it is gut. And and you know, at this point, it's really hard to be too infuriated by Clint Hurdle's gut going forward because he has had limited opportunities. And again, Travis Snyder's injury last night looks like he's going to be out a few days. Neil Walker. You know, who had a fantastic uh, June and July, tailed off a little bit in August, but certainly it was a a big cog in the lineup. Looks like maybe he tweaked himself yesterday swinging the bat. So it looks like he might not be around for this Cubs series. And then you have to wonder how, you know, how many games is he going to get in the rest of the way? It would have been an interesting dilemma playing time wise. Uh, We're going to get to see a lot more of Brock Holt, at least three to five games more, I would assume. Mm -hmm before they'd have to make a decision. But I know you you wrote an article about whether Holt should go play shortstop when Walker comes back. Hopefully the Pirates have a choice to make uh, about what to do there. Maybe maybe they won't. But it is going to be interesting. Barmas continues to make plays that I, I'm pretty sure uh, other guys in the team, you know, nobody else on the roster is going to make. And he leads the National League uh, in UZR 150. So he's ostensibly the best defensive shortstop in the game. And, you know, look, I've been there, there are a lot of things to say about him. And it's just it's been the same most of the year. He's fielded pretty well to to excellent. And he hasn't hit at all to a little better. And so, you know, been some some combination of those two things. So the, the lineup is going to be interesting down the stretch and the pitching staff is going to be interesting down the stretch. And our favorite guy, Kevin Correa, went out and threw a very Correa game last night, last night, giving up 
six hits, I think, in six innings, six or seven hits, only threw 67 pitches and gave up one run, one walk, and one strikeout. We can go back and laugh about the fact that he said, you know, around this All-Star break, I just I felt like I wanted to strike out more guys, so I tried to strike out more guys, and, it, you know, he was able to because clearly he has stopped. Like he should strike out more, more guys. But, uh, it, you know, these are tough. Uh, these are interesting and tough decisions for uh, the manager and the general manager in terms of who, who to play down the stretch, assuming guys are healthy. That's right. So going back to the Holt Barmas question, how, how do you how would assuming everybody comes back, everybody's healthy, how would you balance playing time at shortstop between between Holt and Barmas down the stretch? Okay. Well, Kalinda, uh, Barmas, I'm going to assume is going to play this weekend, and that is going to impact my decision going forward. But if he continues to hit like he hits, I almost would play him every other day or at least every third day to maybe depending on who's on the mound for the pirates and obviously who's on the mound for the, of the other team. But it, you know, it seems like what's a little bit funny about what hurdles done is he played Barmas every day up until about uh, the middle or end of July. And then when Barmas started to hit a little better, he seemed to be starting five days a week. So I certainly have no problem having Barmas start four to five days a week and Holt getting those other starts. But, you know, we're really going to be talking about 21, 24 games here, uh, when we get we're 23 games, when we get past the Cubs series, so you know every day the lineup is now going to be scrutinized because every game they play now is the most important game they've played in a long time. Right, right. That's that's absolutely true, and and you know it's it's really going to be left to chance in the end, or not entirely chance, but that's that's certainly going to be a big element of it. I think you can play Holt against uh, against a lot of righties, given that he's a left-handed hitter. Barmas hits lefties pretty well, so you can pretty reliably leave him out there against against lefties. But like I said on the site, I think it's it's a closer decision than it looks because, you know, to tell the truth, Barmas is not that bad. He really is not in the same category as some of the other guys he's he's gotten whipping boy status with this year. I mean, you know, when he when he plays defense as well as he does, you know, you kind of put up with the with the terrible approach at the at, at the plate and say, like, this is a very good defensive shortstop. Yeah, I think, and I think that's fair, and I think that's probably. I think the the argument about Rod Barajas not playing is is probably a much more valid argument. Yeah. But I'll get, again, point people to Neil Huntington's comments that he said the pitching staff will go to the mat for Rod Barajas and what they've done getting him through. You know, he went from saying games to innings to actually at bats and pitches per se. So you know, somebody who's that close and that inside, and they say that you, you can't you can't argue with them, but you can say, okay, there is there's huge value in that, obviously. And then how much does the bat undermine that value? And and the fact that Michael McHenry has tailed off a fair bit here since the beginning of middle of August maybe makes that a little more interesting of a conversation than people might uh, first expect when they just look at the the uh, the, the statistics. Well, that that might be true. I'd still like to see more of McHenry out there, obviously, but but right. I mean, I'm not on the inside of it. Um, so going into the the upcoming series against the Cubs, um, we're probably going to see you know a little bit more, you know, a couple more lineups that that are fairly close to the one we saw yesterday against Houston because the Pirates are going to be facing Travis Wood, uh, who's kind of you know a mediocre lefty, Jeff Samarja, who's a, a good pitcher, and then another lefty minor leaguer named Chris Rusin, who I I never even heard of, and. After after you know spending years of being on the other side of these things of being this team that has been completely broken down by just poor play and deadline trades in August and September and just playing terribly, man, is it nice to be on the other side and, and get to play teams like Astros and the Cubs who are are starting guys like Chris Rusin or Rusin or however it's pronounced because 
you know, they just don't have anybody else left at this point. Yeah, the Astros, I mean, it was a bit embarrassing to watch watch them play uh, the defensive side of the ball, Yeah, uh, you know, the past two games. And good for the Pirates to take advantage because you say we've been on the other side of that conversation a lot of times. I think one thing I'll say is I don't really care whether Starling Marte strikes out five times tonight or not. He needs to be in Pittsburgh tomorrow and ready to play. Because, you know, I just don't love the options of Tabata and Presley. It looks like Snyder's going to be at least a couple days. I'm guessing now. I mean, look, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. I asked Neil Huntington what he thought of the job the coaching staff or the training staff has done this year. And, I, you know, he didn't say anything I didn't expect. He praised them across the board. But I still, you know, they've had guys continue to break down. And, you know, again, I'm not inside, so I don't exactly know. But when I see that Snyder can't run the bases yeah from first base uh, without pulling a hamstring or Carstens breaks down five pitches or four batters or five batters into his start last Friday night, or Tabitha has constantly got hamstring issues. I just wonder how much is, is on the training staff and the manager and how long you need to sit a guy. So I sure as heck hope Marte is on a plane after the game tonight. Yeah, I, I, I really hope so too, especially because of the two lefties and the, and the strange lineup we've been seeing. I mean, we, the pirates, the pirates can really use him right now. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it's, it's the, 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 the training situation is obviously another issue that's really hard to evaluate from the outside, but the Snyder situation in particular is just bizarre. Uh, what do you what do you want to do with the starters here now? Uh, I, I don't know how quickly Carson's is going to be back. There's people are still talking about sitting J Mac. I just can't see that as an alternative. His upside when he pitches well is a dominating starter, and although that hasn't happened very often, I still think you got to keep running him out there. And I feel good. I you know believe it or not, I actually feel good about Jeff Locke right now. I, I mean, as far as McDonald's concerned, it's it's just not even a question for me. If he's healthy, he has to be out there. I, I don't I don't really see what else the Pirates can do because like you mentioned I mean they they, they, they he's the one with the upside and the, and the Pirates need that upside because they've got to pass two teams that are you know arguably better than them in order to get into a playoff spot so you know if if McDonald's if his arm is together you got to start him for sure and so I guess what we need is we we need we need Wandy to pitch like he's been pitching and he's been great uh, thanks for the Astros again. <laughs> Right, I love the trip, but he, but the previous game was the Cards, so right, uh, so you know a little bit of both, maybe the best and the worst offenses in the National League. Uh, love the trade when it happened. I'll say it again. I think it was a really good, uh, a really good deal. So he needs to pitch like that. We need AJ to step up and pitch in his midsummer form, and we need uh, J Mac to go back and pitch the way he pitched in the first half. And we just keep our fingers crossed with whomever is rolled out there. Uh, you know, it looks like it'll be locked for a while. And I haven't, I haven't really seen anything on Karstens, but I know he's not going this time. And I would assume, based on what happened, uh, the Pirates are more likely to bring Correa back again ver- versus McPherson or LaRue or anybody else. I would, I, that's, that would be my, my guess as well. You know what my take on that is, but, you know, it's hard to really complain about the guy a day after he pitches six, six pretty strong innings, uh, no matter who they were against. What do you make of the now that we're really at the point of the season where where we can name all of the Pirates' remaining series on a radio bro, or you know a podcast without uh, you know worrying about filling <laughs> up too much time with it? So the Pirates have they've got this the Cubs coming up they got the Reds uh, Cubs again for four games then Brewers Astros Mets for four Reds and Braves. What do you make of the Pirates' schedule uh, for for the rest of the year and how does how does that impact their playoff chances? You know the three games against the Reds. Uh, the first three are really important. Yeah. The last six games of the season are really interesting because the Reds aren't going to have anything to play for. 
And the problem is they're not the last three. It would be great if they were the last three and not the last three of six or three of the last six because they will probably try to set up their rotation to get ready, playoff ready, and have guys pitch that Pirate series and then not pitch or you know maybe pitch the first game of the Braves series so that the guys are on their normal rest. So they may not have their starters go a lot of innings, but I would imagine if they start thinking about the playoffs, which they're certainly in the playoffs, uh, they're gonna they're gonna manage their rotation a little bit, and they won't be sitting guys uh, on that series. Maybe a guy here and there, but Joey Votto is probably gonna be back, and they'll probably encourage him to play. So the the thought that I had had originally that those three games might be just easy rollover games, um, I, I think less. I I think that less. Yeah. I mean, we're probably gonna see Johnny Cueto in that series, for example. Yes, and then the Braves. Unfortunately, I think that's gonna matter for them now. Yeah. Sunday, you know, the last game of the year may not matter. But it's probably going to matter for them, uh, depending on you know how the playoff situation works out. But it, you know the Pirates could get lucky and it could be all set, and they could be resting starters. But it, it really is funny. We're talking about the last game of the season or the last two games of the season and thinking about them because what happens in those games? And God knows, uh, we're talking about Grant Brisby's article and having a guy who you've never heard of. They could have a guy come up and pitch, and you, the Pirates have never seen before. And we know how that's gone enough times over the past two years. Some guy you've never heard of from AAA comes up and throws seven scoreless and you know we lose nine to two right well and you know going back to that that uh brave series of, of course if if the braves are really trying to win those games that's good news for the pirates in a way because it means that there's going to be a lot more margin for error and and you know for them to make the playoffs uh if if the braves have a a, a playoff spot set at that point that's probably not such good news because the pirates are going to be you know if the pirates are still in it they're going to be fighting with at least one one team probably um, for just one remaining playoff spot. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. silver lining, I guess. I, I guess I'm kind of thinking, I mean, I guess it's not over for the Braves being in, but uh, I'm guessing down the stretch here for the Braves, I, I, I like their chances, that's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, we haven't seen, we haven't seen uh, and, and I didn't expect to see this. We, the bullpen's been good. Uh, Grilly in hand-to-hand, -hand, Grilly gives up a two-run homer in a, in a fairly meaningless spot yeah. last their numbers are exactly the same again at this point of the year, although Hanrahan has a few more walks and a few less strikeouts. Their, their numbers are shockingly similar again. So you feel good about the guys coming in. Hughes has taken over that seventh inning role. I, I feel great about the Pirates' bullpen. It doesn't really look like Justin Wilson or Kyle McPherson are going to be very necessary unless you have to go long, man. And almost the same for Chris LaRue because I think Resop's probably ahead of both those guys in terms of coming in with men on base. So well, it seems like we have extra guys in the bullpen. We'd like to have, you know, you'd like, <laughs> I wish we had a couple extra dependable bats off the bench, but it is what it is. But it, Charlie, you know, we haven't mentioned this once and I hardly heard it talked about today. The Pirates won their 72nd game last night. Mm -hmm. That's the games as they won all last year. And, you know, it's just a footnote in the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way from, what was it like, uh, maybe it was like 2002 or 2000, 2003, maybe, when the, the Pirates were coming off a 100-loss season. And uh, when they when they won their 63rd game that year, the next year, they celebrated with champagne in the locker room. And, you know, <laughs> how, how far far we've come, you know, after that. And so the Pirates, have they, they've gotten to the point where they were, Last year, you know, already at this point in the season, you almost don't want to talk about it too much for fear of jinxing it. Like maybe they'll maybe they'll find some way to lose every game from now to the rest of the season and still yeah. finish with 72 wins. You know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, Forget let's, I said that. Forget it. Let's just touch on two other topics really briefly. And one is, I think, pretty interesting. Steven Strasburg, it looks like he's going to get shut down by the Nationals here. Uh, they're, the, they've got the best record in baseball. They just played two games in a row where they hit six home runs each night. Brock, uh, Bryce Harper became the second teenager ever to have multi-home run games during the same season. I think he became, he's got the third most homers ever by a teenager with 17 behind Mel Ott and somebody else with 24, uh, Tony Caligliaro, I think. So this is a great team. They got a great staff. I'm not sure if people realize how good the rest of their starters are in Jackson, Detweiler, uh, Zimmerman, and I'm forgetting the fourth, but uh, is this a dumb move or is this a smart move or what's going on? You know, it's, it's a hard thing to understand if you don't follow the team very closely i mean i i don't i don't totally get it i don't um really understand why he wasn't moved into you know just shorter outings or some kind of bullpen role for part of the season so that when the when the nationals i mean the nationals knew that or they figured that if things went well for them they would wind up in the playoffs it's, it's you know it's kind of like the the argument that we we have about using joel hanrahan in you know close games in the in the ninth inning or in extra inning games, uh, when the Pirates are saving him for some from some outcome that will never come, this is kind of like that in reverse, where you know they should have maybe saved uh, Strasburg for what they knew would be high leverage situations at the end of the year, and yet it looks like they didn't do that, and it, and they're going to have to shut him down, and and I gather they're not using him in the playoffs. Uh, that's the plan, and I got to tell you, I think that's a great analogy. You know, they, they, you could see this coming. You know, this isn't, this didn't sneak up on them. This right. was being talked at from before the All Star talked about before the All Star game. Right, it's been in the so, news forever. So I don't understand why they didn't skip a start or have him pitch every tenth day, or as you say, have him pitch five innings to start instead of seven. I, it, it's baffling to me that they got here when they knew this is where they could potentially end up. They couldn't manage it better. They, I know you don't want to sit a guy for a month and then start him back up again. That makes perfect sense to me. But we see guys skip starts all the time, whatever it may be. And they may, if they have a hip flexor or they got another injury, they go on the 15-day DL and then they build their arm up a little bit and then they're back at it. Don't know why, particularly with the fact that not every game is meaningful for the Nats right now. They're coasting to this the National League East crown. Don't know why they didn't do it. It's, it I think it's actually uh, – it, 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 you know, let me throw out – it borders on treasonous if I were a – a Nats fan. And we, you know, we see the opposite. We were talking before we got on Chris Medlin from the Braves, the surgery at the same time, he's come back. They used him in the bullpen the whole first half of the season. I think he's seven and one. If I get the numbers right, I'm going off the top of my head as a starter since he's come back, he's pitched 50 less innings or so than Strasburg and he's ready to go here in the playoffs. And he has been unhittable lately. And it's just, you look at the two as a comparison and it's very easy. Now, Strasburg's part of the reason the Nationals got where they got, so I don't want to completely discount that. But it certainly. Oh yeah, looked- but they're eight what eight games up or something, or seven games up in the in the NL East. I mean, they have the best record in the National League. I mean, they, they, it's total overkill. Well, right. they do now. The question is, at the beginning of the year, you know, if they hadn't won five of those starts, would the whole world whole world be different? Uh, so, so I, you know, you can say they started him from day one, and that's what helped build help help them build this lead. But yeah, no question. Since the All Star break, that it's been, in my mind, it's been mismanaged. Well, and, and you know, you, you would think about uh, now that they're now that they've gotten themselves into this spot. I mean, inarguably, they're in a tough spot because they've said they're only going to let him pitch 160 innings, and they've been saying that for months. But now that they're here, 
Do you think that, I mean, you know, it's not like he's going to pitch his 161st inning and his arm's going to magically fall off. I mean, I I understand the point of being cautious with young pitchers, but this, you know, this, when you, when you have, you know, playoff series to worry about, to be, you know, this arbitrary about the number of innings pitched, it just seems bizarre to me. And it it seems like they, now that they're here, you know, slow him down for sure. But I I think you've got to consider going beyond 160 innings pitched. Yeah, well, the problem is that these games don't matter and they can't sit him down and start him back up again. So I think we are where we are. They've made their bed. History will now tell us the answer. And it'll be interesting to see. I don't necessarily think it it radically diminishes the Nationals' chances because of how good their staff is, which was the point of of mentioning those guys. Mm -hmm. But it, it makes it it, it makes them less. It, it certainly makes them less. Okay, so to change gears now and to talk about a team that has maybe been a little bit less dominant, what do you make of the uh, Baltimore Orioles' performance over the past month or so? <laughs> I've got no idea. No, <laughs> no idea. They're twenty-four and seven in one-run games. Is the only thing I can tell you. They got a, a big negative front differential. They're however many games over five hundred they are, like fifteen or something crazy. And they started four game series at home with the uh, with the Yankees tonight. God bless them. I mean, you know, we're gonna have to get uh, what was his name, the Baltimoreans? Oh, Sam, Sam Damon, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to get him on here and do something with him again because both of us here in the playoff chase. I mean, you know, the world must be coming to an end. But it, it's ridiculous. I don't even know what to say. Nate McClough's batting third against right-handed pitchers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's glorious, right? I mean, if the if the, if the Orioles can come out of this, you know, in three weeks, uh, you know, ahead of the Yankees. And, you know, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, we're in that stage of the season where crazy, crazy breathing on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's goggles things can happen. You know, it would be glorious. I think we I think we would both love it as as teams, of, you know, fans of of a perennial underdog team. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, I'll be keeping my eyes on that a little bit this week. I'll be watching the A's and, you know, the, the A's and the Angels. What's going on out there has been interesting. Uh, you know, there's baseball beyond Pittsburgh. And this is this is actually the time to, to focus on it. Uh, you know, it's a great sports weekend with football kicking off and, and uh, the baseball races. And hopefully the Pirates get three good crowds, which they have been getting on the weekends. Uh, and, they, you know, we'll get back next week and, and <laughs> maybe we'll be two games up on the cards and Brock Hole will be hitting 600. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, we, we both hope so, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to the Bucks Dugout podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at what is my Twitter? Bucks Dugout. You can follow, <laughs> <laughs> follow David on Twitter at DT on Pirates. Uh, thanks, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>